This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey friends, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. What an exciting week in the world of running this past weekend that we had. So exciting to see Sarah Hall break the half marathon American record and Kira D'Amato break the marathon American record. Amazing, amazing accomplishments. I don't know about you guys, but I did in unexpected tempo run on Monday because I was just so excited. Not only those two ladies, there were so many incredible performances in Houston over the weekend. And it's always just so cool to just use that energy to motivate yourself to do something special. So anyway, what an exciting weekend. I said nothing derails my Sunday morning though. like streaming a marathon that has some exciting things happening. I just was glued to my computer. Hey, if you are interested in joining the conversation about the world of running and this podcast and the episodes we put out and just races and connecting with other runners, we would love to have you join our Facebook group. It's just called All Have Another with Lindsay Hine Podcast. When you go to groups on Facebook, you can find us. It's a great community over there, and we would love to have you join us. Then we can all together talk about those awesome race experiences that just happened. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Hey, today's episode is 356, and my guest is Molly Grayball. Molly recently ran a 229.17 at CIM, placing second, and that was just her third marathon. She ran Grandma's in 2019 in a 235. She ran the Olympic Trials, placing 25th in 237. And she has been training in Boulder recently with Rise Athletics in Boulder. That is Nell Rojas's, his, her and her dad's training group. And uh, she trained with them for the last eight weeks of this race. And we get to hear about what her training looked like heading into this race. Molly also works full-time for a cybersecurity company, so she has a full plate on top of training really hard for marathons. She ran for the Oregon Ducks in college. She was a five-time All-American, and it's really exciting to see. You know, she took some time off here and there, and um, really what I found really refreshing is the time that she took off during 2020 and just giving herself a break and then coming back and working really hard to run that 229 at CIM. I think it just speaks volumes that sometimes we need breaks and breaks can be really good. Molly is really sweet and kind and I hope that you enjoy getting to know her as much as I did in this episode of the podcast. If you do love the podcast, leave us a quick rating and review so potential new listeners can find us. You all know I say that every single week. I do. I really uh, appreciate it, anybody who does. And we are giving away a pair of Gooder sunglasses every single month for the new ratings and reviews that come in. So we'll pick one person each month to send a pair of sunglasses to for all the new ratings and reviews each month. So you have a little bit more time to get in on the January selection. All right, friends. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Molly. 
All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Molly Grable on the show. Welcome to the show, Molly. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, recently placed second at CIM with a big PR. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely long overdue and I was, um, you know, really thrilled with that performance. So yeah, 229 was your goal to break 230. What was your goal there? Yeah, yeah. I kind of had some A, B and C goals going into the race, knowing that the marathon can be, you know, disastrous um, at times. So uh, yeah, going into it, to I really wanted to break 230. Um, that was kind of my A goal. And so I was really excited to be able to do that. Yeah, well, let's just do a little introduction before we dive into your marathon progression here. I know you ran for the Oregon Ducks, which um, that was probably like a dream come true school to run for. Yeah, yeah, it was a really it was a tough program to be a part of, but it was super rewarding. Um, I loved being a duck. What was the tough like? What was so tough about it? Um, it's a very competitive program, um, and it's kind of pretty clear that if you're not scoring or contributing, you know, that you need to be on that team. Um, so it's pretty hard if you're having a tough time, you're battling injuries, um, or just kind of not athletically where you want to be, um, to see, you know, uh, the athletes that are scoring and doing well and wanting to be there so badly. Um, but how did you handle that? I mean, and we'll talk about the accident you had as well, but like, how did you handle that at such a young age being thrown into the, the, you know, toughness of that? Yeah. I mean, especially coming from high school, if you're going to Oregon, you have experienced success. And I mean, a lot of D1 athletes feel this as well, not just Oregon, but you're so successful in high school and then you go to college and then you're just fighting to make the top seven team. Um, and it's just quite a transition. Um, and so the expectation at Oregon is that you kind of hit the ground running and you're ready to go. And I was not ready to go at all my freshman year. I had no concept of, you know, putting in the hard work um, in high school because it just kind of came. So I didn't really train during the summer. And it was just kind of a rude awakening um, that first year of like, wow, if I want this, I really got to try hard. Um, yeah, it just I mean, it definitely takes time and you can't expect it to happen all at once. You know, running is, you know, everything kind of compounds as you go. And the more miles you put in, you know, the, the longer it takes to pay off. So yeah, I'm so curious. What are your thoughts on all that now looking back just like um, high mileage running in college and like really laying the hammer down and like being the top in the country in college versus like, I mean, you can do that and also be really successful professionally. People do that. But like balancing that, like, I really want longevity in the sport and I don't want to burn out. What are your thoughts now that you're a little bit older and past that part of your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't crazy high mileage in college, but it definitely was you know, a track that I looked at to be like, I want to be better now. And I want to just, you know, be cranking out 80 to 90 mile weeks, which in college is, was pretty high. Um, but I think that um, just, I mean, I really leaned into, you know, what my coach Marisa was telling me to do and the steps that she thought I needed to take to, to be better. And she didn't necessarily believe that I needed to do high mileage. Um, I think for marathon training, you know, it does take away more of your time. You know, you have to block out almost like three hours plus if you have to commute for your long run. And it is an investment, but um, it just takes, it definitely takes a while to get there. And 
jumping into the high mileage stuff, it's also not necessarily the most fun. You know, I, I think doing quick, fast stuff is more exciting. And um, if you can slow, slow your roll when you get to the, the long mileage, the high mileage, then um, that's, I think, a better way to go. Uh, Marisa Powell. Wow. I didn't realize the timeline worked out that she was your coach there. I love her. Mm -hmm. She's uh, been on the show before and really one of my favorite interviews. Talk to us about working with her. Um, she's super fun. I, I mean, I look up to her. I think that she was a great mentor. Um, and, uh, she was so personable and I mean, our, our age gap, what was it huge? And so all of the coaches that I had before were male and older and they were all delightful and I look up to them all but it was really important for me as a young woman to have a woman coach who could really understand what I was going through and I could talk about things that probably didn't feel comfortable telling you know an older man um, about so I think that that really uh, that connection that I had with her helped my running as well so that's great oh that's so good to hear um, I love I love it when I get to interview a coach and then I hear get to hear from athletes like after the fact, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I still I mean I still keep in touch with her today, um, and she checks in with me every now and then. So it's it's kind of great to have that relationship. Okay, listen, we have to talk about the story and what happened to you when you got hit in the head while driving because I'm sure you like don't love rehashing it, but like this is a pretty big part of your story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. just kind of like one of those freak accidents where, I mean, now it's like a, not really a party story, but it's kind of, um, people are just, uh, kind of in disbelief that it happened. And, um, I was just driving home from Thanksgiving break and, uh, we were probably about an hour outside of Eugene and someone threw a rock over an overpass and I was driving the car. It went through the windshield, hit my face, um, knocked me out, uh, I didn't, I mean, I don't remember anything from the accident, but this is just kind of what has been recounted to me. I guess I saw it coming down and I told, um, I was writing back with, um, a teammate and he said that I was like, what is that? As it was like coming down. Um, but I don't remember any of it. Um, so I was knocked out and my foot was still on the gas. We were still on the freeway going, you know, 65 miles an hour. Um, and so he tried to get control of the car and kind of grabbed it, which, you know, yanking the wheel at that speed made us kind of flip. Um, I guess there was like a semi that came in behind us and jackknifed, which honestly was a really good thing because then it blocked the rest of the traffic coming in. But yeah, uh, besides, you know, the head injury from the rock, I was, I was okay. And so was my teammate. He was okay. Just a few scratches. Um, So yeah, I was out for, gosh, I want to say, a little over eight months from post-concussive um, issues. And um, I was super dizzy, had really bad headaches, um, vertigo. So I did a lot of like vestibular training. Um, my memory was not super great. I kind of asked a lot of questions, repetitive, simple questions um, for the first few months. So it took me a long time to heal from that. And brain injury stuff is really frustrating and tough because physically you look fine. And I was like ready to run, ready to get back to training. But the headaches and the vertigo was just too much. So took a semester off of school and just really tried to, I mean, I laid in bed for a long, long time, um, but it slowly did get better. And um, I was able to um, enroll back in school and get back to training. So, wow. Did that, you know, when we're like in college, most of us are pretty like 
I'm invincible, kind of like I've got a lot of life left to live, but did that change your perspective? Oh, yeah. And just um, kind of like grounded me in the sense of I was just so thankful to be at Oregon and that I really wanted to compete and be better and that like I was thankful for the education that I was getting because I was out of school and, you know, all of, you know, my teammates were kind of everyone was moving forward in their life and I was kind of standing still. So that was um, definitely a grounding moment. And I became very grateful and just a lot of gratitude for what I do have, which I feel like at 21, I know most 21 year olds are just kind of like, oh, like I, I didn't really celebrate my 21st because, mm. you know, I had headaches and drinking was just sounded I was in a constant state of a hangover already. So um, it was just not not attractive to me at that time. Gosh, do you have like migraine bouts now that stem from that? Um, they're not so much migraines as it is the vertigo that really, um, affects me. Sometimes if I move my head backwards in a certain motion or, um, I took a ferry, uh, last month and we were on like the undercarriage part of it. I don't know what that's called. Um, but, uh, just the movement of that seasick motion was kind of what I felt for those six to eight months. And that kind of triggered, um, you know, a lot of that, uh, just kind of like that car sick feeling that I had for a long time. So there'll be small things that can trigger it. Um, and I just avoid, you know, roller coasters or anything that like, I can't do a flip turn in a pool, which is fine with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so just think there are some things that I do avoid, but it's not as bad. And it normally will go, that feeling will go away within an hour or so. You know, it's so crazy. Like the kid that threw the rock was 19. And I, I remember, I don't know, a few months ago, I was watching the news and there was some lady on the news who had gotten hit by a shopping cart that some like young kid had like thrown off of a balcony and it hit her. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's just so, and she's fine. But like, she went through like years of plastic surgery and all these things to get her oh. everything back together. But it's just like one of those things that like young kids do and they just, they aren't thinking, oh, this might kill somebody. Maybe they are. I don't know. But like, just like so sad how like one decision like that could totally change their life and your life, whoever the victim is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when they found, um, I guess they checked out the overpass and just kind of saw, you know, a pile of rocks. So it was like an intentional, mm. you know, thing, um, which, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that was, I hope that wasn't his intention, but it is kind of, you know, crazy to think and see. And I'm sure they saw the domino effect that happened yeah. um, because it happened, you know, not far from the bridge. So did they, did he get caught and did he go to jail? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but I did hear that um, it was a teacher that heard him because he was talking about it at school. Oh, wow. Um, and oh, wow. I think he was still in high school. And so... Um, he was talking about it in school and a teacher overheard and was, you know, kind of went from there. So, wow. Okay. Um, well let's, let's get into your post-college career. What do you do for work? Um, so I am a product owner and I work at a cybersecurity company, um, here in Boulder and, uh, how I got into that, um, I was looking for a part-time job and I kind of did a bunch of different things when I moved to Boulder um, but I was surfing on Craigslist and I found kind of this sketchy post that was like, we need someone from 10 to two. 
and didn't say what it was, what I'd be doing. But as a runner, I'm like, perfect. Yeah. You know, I can get my morning done, morning run done. And then I can, you know, do weights or double and there's still sunlight. This is perfect. Um, and so I responded to the ad and um, it ended up being a uh, cybersecurity company here in Boulder, really close to, to where I live. Um, and it was a front desk reception job. And so I just worked in one of, they had three buildings. And so I was one of three receptionists and it was super low key. Um, and yeah, it kind of worked out, worked out great. I did that for a little bit, um, but I was feeling unfulfilled um, just in that job because I kind of just, you know, sat there and greeted people. Um, and I definitely wanted a challenge outside of running. And so kind of sat in on some meetings and learned what the company was about, um, learned about the product and um, Logarithm was great and gave me a chance and uh, interviewed me and hired me for a product position. So I've been working there full time since right before the pandemic. So it's been great. What does it mean that you're a product owner? Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of a specific role in a certain type of frame, framework um, for software development. But I pretty much just um, own the product where I give kind of the business value to um, the software engineers and developers and make sure that, you know, what they're building is what the product needs to be and what, you know, the market wants. What did you go to school for? <laughs> um, I went, uh, I studied business and econ okay. at Oregon. Okay. So um, just like kind of a general, um, you know, a general major. And I came out just not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And I know that I still wanted to run. So those first few years after college, um, I know that, you know, a lot of people kind of struggle trying to find, you know, the right balance. And it does take a long time to kind of figure out what you want to do and um, how to fit, how running fits in there. Um, and it is a hard transition, especially because you're used to doing track and the road race scene is different and you're probably not as comfortable with it. Um, and track as a post-collegiate unsponsored person is a very expensive hobby it's not I mean you have to pay for everything that you do I mean from your hotel to your flights to get into the meet and um, you can run really great and get a PR and feel really excited and happy about it but no one's paying you no one's reimbursing you you know you kind of just give yourself a good job and then move on and so um, moving away from the track and moving onto the roads kind of gave me um a bit more of feeling like a professional athlete. They fly you out, they treat you really well, you stay in a hotel, um, and then there's prize money. And it's not typically about the money, but more just how you feel at these races. Like, you're like, this is something serious, and you know, it's maybe not my main thing, but it's I'm a professional athlete in this, in this environment. So um, I really appreciate that about road racing. And so I think moving from my focus to the track, to the roads really kind of helped that post-collegiate transition. Oh, yeah, I bet. You know, I interviewed Sarah Vaughn before CAM. She was like, yeah, I just signed up online for the race. I was like, you signed up online? You didn't like? And then she said that you know, she ended up talking to them because she needed bus information and they reimbursed her and everything. Yeah, but I'm they like, were like, um, <laughs> you should be in the elite field. Like, <laughs> Why would you yeah. pay for your entry? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, like a humble thing, maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because 
Well, I was just talking to someone on my parenting podcast about like that post-college like few years. Like I was talking to the woman about like her kids being at that part of their life like and how exciting it is to like see your child like start off like this is your life now. Like you're done with college. Like this is your adult life now. Um, But man, Mm -hmm. I look back and this isn't about athletics, but like, I don't know, those first few years out of college were like, I felt lost, you know, like I felt like, oh, yeah, everybody has real jobs. And I'm like, I was a receptionist at a doctor's office. And like, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I always like think that time sounds exciting. But when I really look back, I'm like, oh, no, I was like, totally lost for like three years. Oh, my gosh. And there's just, you know, all these feelings of being a failure, you go from competing at a high level and being super focused and dialed in, you're like, I'm getting my degree and I'm trying to, you know, make it to NCAAs or whatever your athletic goals are. And then I was just kind of floating around. I, my living situation, I lived in some really gross, dingy places that were like worse than college. Um, and so, um, I just, I definitely felt lost and, you know, I, not that, I just kind of felt like a loser. Like I was like, what am I doing? I'm not making any money running or, you know, not finding any success in running not feeling athletically like I'm reaching my potential, but I'm also, you know, this time when all my friends are getting jobs, I'm trying to look for these, you know, part-time things or being an assistant or being a receptionist or a nanny, which is totally fine because I had these other goals, but I just wasn't really achieving any of them. And so, um, yeah, I don't, that wasn't like a, glorified part of my I don't look back on it um and be like oh I wish I could be back in there again I just you know it was kind of like a means to find where I needed to be you know so yeah, for sure yeah I've told this story before on the podcast but I found myself crying in like a laundry room one time and my <laughs> my then boyfriend but my husband now's like apartment complex is some random girl that he went to high school with because she's had some like real job at Eli Lilly and he had a real job and I was like still doing the receptionist thing and just like yeah oh my gosh but yeah so if that's you friends you know you're not you're not alone okay it's yeah you'll you'll figure it out Hey, everybody. Okay, the Donna Marathon weekend is coming up. It is so soon. I am so excited to go down to Jacksonville, Florida. We do this race every year. We were really sad to miss it the past year. I did the virtual option, though, which was also really fun. The Donna Marathon weekend supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people who are walking through a breast cancer diagnosis, uh, both financially and also emotionally. They have a care line that people can call. Uh, They also fund groundbreaking research, just a wonderful organization. And when you run the race, you are directly supporting the foundation. It is a great time of year to head down to a beautiful destination. The race starts and finishes on the beach. Don't worry, you don't run on the sand though. Um, You guys can use the code Lindsay10 for 10% off any of your registration fees. There's a 5K on Saturday the 5th and a half marathon and a marathon on Sunday the 6th, as well as a kids mile race on, on that Saturday. And they have relay options as well. We are bringing our whole family down there and our kids are going to do the mile. I'm really excited about that. Probably way too excited about it, honestly. Uh, Jacksonville is just amazing. It has 250 days of sunshine a year. And you can learn more about planning your trip for the whole weekend when you go to visitjacksonville.com. 
They have the largest urban park in the nation with 80,000 acres of parks, including seven state parks, two national parks, a national preserve, and 400 city parks and gardens and an arboretum. This is one of my favorite places to visit. So to learn more about Jacksonville, go to visitjacksonville.com. And to learn more about the Donna Marathon Weekend, go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use that code Lindsay10 for 10% off your registration. Uh, Also, one more thing, we are having a meetup on that Saturday. So for anybody coming, I have to get the detail of where exactly the meetup is going to be figured out, but that will be posted on my social media. My Instagram's lindsayhine626, as well as our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast. If you aren't already in that group, go join it. Okay. This is officially the longest break ever. Thank you for listening. Come run with us in Jacksonville and enjoy the rest of my conversation. Um, okay, so you ran with Nomad Distance Project. You're with Rise Athletics Boulder now. T- talk to us about your like progression with the different teams that you've run with. Yeah, yeah. So I actually was brought out to Boulder um, to join Roots Running. And so that's kind of what brought me out here. Um, I looked at a few different teams. Um, I think uh, it was the team in Sacramento, Nor- NorCal Distance was still together. So I kind of looked at them um, and ultimately decided to move out to Boulder, joined Roots, was with Roots for about a year. And like I said, I just kind of wasn't in a place in my life where I was really happy and wanted to be. So running wasn't going well. Um, so I left Roots, but I made so many great friends in Boulder and I wanted to stay here. So I just kind of did my own thing for a little bit. I joined Hudson Elite for um, a short period of time um, until that kind of fell apart. And then, is that that Brad Hudson's group? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's where I met um, Haruni and we've been, you know, really close friends ever since. Um, And oh, you uh, were just in her wedding. Yeah. Okay. I saw those pictures on your Instagram. They're beautiful. Oh, yes. It was such a beautiful wedding. She did an amazing job planning it and it was such a fun time. Um, yeah, it was awesome. But, um, yeah. So then after Brad, I was remotely coached by Steve Magnus and that was great. It was a really good setup and through the trials. And then, um, I kind of took a break from running, uh, during the pandemic, uh, really didn't, uh, feel motivated or excited about running for a long time. So maybe ran, I don't know, 10, 15 miles a week wow. um, for a little bit. <laughs> and then um, I like so small that it wasn't even worth it to count. Um, and then, yeah, I coached myself for a little bit and then decided that, you know, I needed to coach to really help me achieve my goals. And that's when I joined uh, Rick's group. So, so been, does, it's does been good. Rick coach you or does Nell coach you? Uh, Rick coaches me. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Wow. How long were you doing the like 10 to 15 miles a week thing? Ooh. Um, <laughs> the face she I made. Say, yeah. Um, I really didn't start training until maybe December of 2020. Okay. So, uh, yeah, from March to December. Um, I would sometimes join uh, friends to run, but I just wasn't super it was just hard. I'm super race motivated. So there weren't any races on the schedule. Um, and so I'm not kind of a go out there and just grind till I want to 
pass out kind of person. Um, <laughs> I'm more of like, I want to achieve this goal and like, this will, this will get me there. So, um, without that, I just kind of bopped around and looking back, I mean, I think I probably would have been happier if I stayed on a structured schedule. Um, but, uh, I think I needed that mental break, especially after the trials, it's pretty tired just. And so I think, um, the training that I've done since that break has been a lot better. And so I think just my body benefited big time from that huge time off. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm like, really, truly, that was probably a great gift you gave yourself. Um, yeah. 2019, it was grandma's your debut marathon? Yes. Okay. Yes. So 2019, you debuted at grandma's 235, 11. I see that you've also done monumental half a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that race. Um, it's really well, well organized. Matt does a great job, um, treating the athletes really well. And, um, I like, it's kind of like, you know, more of a low key race, but there's pretty good competition. And, um, I've just had kind of a great progression at that half, um, kind of, uh, really leaning in and seeing what I can do in the half. Um, so I think the first time I ran it was 73 mid. Um, and that was when I hadn't run a marathon and was trying to get, uh, I was thinking about maybe getting the halftime just to like be at the Mm -hmm. trials. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was kind of like my taste of like, Oh, I can do this. Or it was like a realistic goal for me. Um, so I've always had fun at that race. So it's, it's really well run. Have you run it? Uh, yes, the full, but uh, it's my hometown race. We live in Raleigh now, but oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. It's a great course. That's why it's so exciting to me that I saw that you had ran it. Cause I, we, I lived in Indiana, Indiana my whole life. And, um, the, actually the half runs, um, right by the house we used to live in, like right around mile nine. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. When you were through the, all those neighborhoods. Yeah. Okay. Like those awesome. old right before you kind of turned down. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going South. You're going back towards the city when you run by our old house. Okay. That's awesome. Cause yeah, then you have that three mile long uh-huh. stretch. Yeah. Down right Meridian. You get there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I actually, I'm sure I saw you run by my house before I knew who you, you know, I probably didn't know who you were <laughs> at that point, but like, cause we would always yeah. stand out front and like, um, we would have like a PBR station and like once the people oh, nice. that were like kind of there for fun more than racing, we would like hand out beers and, um, oh, that's awesome. yeah, it was super fun, but, um, yeah, I love that race too. And I always just think it's interesting cause they do bring in some like solid elite runners, but you don't, mm-hmm. you don't see a ton of like names you recognize there, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they did a really good job leading up to the trials, giving, you know, bonus incentives if you hit the time. And so it was, it was cool. I think, um, there was just he's done a great job of kind of building this race um, and bigger and bigger names come each year. So it's pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I failed to mention too. Yeah. I guess it was 2019 that year. So many trials qualifiers came through and that was really exciting. That was a really fun year. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Cool to watch. I haven't run the the full marathon, but Haruni's run it. um, And it seems like a pretty good course. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've only done the marathon. I have not done the half. I think I've probably run that marathon three times, four times. Three, oh, I don't wow. know, three or four times. A, a good, my okay. PR is on that course. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. It's just, and it's so flat. And yeah, it's great. Yeah. Although I did hear that there's 
there's a hill by the cemetery or something. Or? Yeah, but like no. <laughs> you wouldn't. I feel really. like living in Boulder, like it's us Indiana people, Indianapolis people think it's a hill, but like it's really not that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, a slight incline. Yeah, okay. totally. No. Um, okay, so you debuted 235 Grandmas. You ran the trials 237. Tell us about your trials experience. Yeah. Um, honestly, that whole weekend, um, I was super stressed just because there were so many people packed into a small area. And so like small things like getting up and down the elevator, it took almost like 20 minutes because there were so many floors and so many people. Um, so it was just kind of a, a whole, just a stressful environment for me. Um, but, uh, the, most fun I had the whole weekend was the race. Mm -hmm. I had such a great time. I ran with a woman that I sometimes run with from Boulder Underground, Bria, and we ran pretty much the whole race together. Um, so it was really awesome having her to kind of work through the tough parts together. Uh, the actual race was so hilly to me. <laughs> the first eight miles, my quads were destroyed. And I was like, well, we got a long way to go. <laughs> um, but it was so much fun. The energy was awesome. And um, I really enjoyed being able to see the men um, as we were running as well. Because uh, there were some, there were a lot of Boulder athletes. My friend Dan Nestor also was leading. And so I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, he's Could you see him by a at lot. some point? Mm -hmm. There were a lot of times where we kind of um, cross paths with the men. So I could kind of, you know, I was like, trying to focus on my race, but also was looking over trying to see how the men were doing. Um, so it was, it was really fun. So I think once I kind of got through the race, um, uh, a lot of that stress and the nerves of just kind of claustrophobic and so many people, um, the race was really the best part. So it was awesome. It was a really cool experience. I would love to make it, make it again. It's a like crazy wonder that all of us that were there didn't get COVID that weekend. Like, cause that was like right when everything was about to like go down. Yes. Yes. It was, um, it was crazy. And also just, I mean, I'm sure everyone did kind of thinking back to all the crowds and all the people yeah. just spewing. We had no their, idea. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, um, hopefully we can someday get back to that safely. And you finished, you finished next to Jordan Hase, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Um, that was kind of like my, were you like, Whoa, what's going on? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw her maybe, um, I want to say in the last 10 K I kind of saw her up mm -hmm. ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, and was definitely bummed for her because yeah. I mean, she was having a, a tough day. Um, but I just also, you know, really inspired that she was having a tough day and didn't drop out and just gutted it through. But I mean, we ran together briefly at Oregon, and so she's a good friend of mine. But I also saw her in that last 400 and was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and leaned her out at the line. Yeah, I mean, you gotta so, do. It's your um, race. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I finished the race and you know was super pleased and happy with how it went, and I felt bad because she was super disappointed with how hers went. Um, but still I mean mad props to her for finishing and um she's a great runner so she'll be back for sure yeah um I wondered as I was looking at the results there I was like I wonder if they crossed paths at Oregon yeah yeah we overlapped for two years I think okay um yeah is she is she two years older than you 
two grades ahead or is she behind? Yeah. She's older. Uh, uh, she's, she's older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I too remember seeing her finish that race and just thinking that it was soup. I was super ad- admirable of her to like, mm-hmm. she didn't want to run a two thirty seven that day, you know, like, Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you think, you know, she's run two twenty. Like, yeah. That's, um, yeah. So definitely bummed for her and Galen was there and consoling her. So, um, yeah, but I, I was, I mean, like I said, mad props to her for finishing. Cause a lot of people did, you know, drop out of that race for with sure. the mind of, you know, the 10 K coming up, which yeah. never happened. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she gutted that out. She's tough. Totally for sure. Hey, everybody, a quick break here to let you know that I have some training plans on my website available for purchase. I have four half marathon training plans, a beginner, a beginner slash intermediate, intermediate and advanced. We have three marathon training plans, beginner, intermediate and advanced. These are plans I put together after years of experience running and coaching myself Um, I use a fairly conservative mileage and really believe in these plans that I put together. They're very detailed. They have pre-run activation videos, post-run stretching strength videos, and then weekly, I actually say two times a week you should do them, strength videos that really just have the basics and bare minimum of strength work I think every runner should do to stay healthy and injury free. Of course, building on that over time is smart, but if you're not doing any kind of strength right now, it's a great starting place. Uh, The plans also have pace charts. So if you're trying to run like a four hour marathon, it will give you pace ideas that you should be doing your easy runs, your tempo runs, your interval workouts at, and there's a range. So each of those paces on the chart like there's a range like oh you should hit in this range and I always say like listen to your body when you're training and go based on effort more than those paces but those paces can kind of serve as a guide for you so you can have an idea of where you are in your training and if those goals are realistic and make sense Um, I have a five dollar off code right now and that is going to be active through the end of January it is Lindsay five l-i-n-d-s-e-y five Uh, The half marathon plans are $35 and the marathon plans are $45. A lot of information packed into there. I think it's well worth it. And then for $5 off, you can use Lindsay5, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-5. Just go to lindsayhine.com and go check them out. And I'm always happy to answer questions. You can email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Molly. Um, okay. So this race, CIM, you had that nice little break, little like mental Mm -hmm. and physical refresher. And so I'm curious what else happened in training that got you in such great shape and in such great place to run that 229. Yeah. Um, so I think I started, uh, getting back into running December, 2020. Um, and then, uh, that spring I was like, Oh, I think I might get back on the track and mix it up. Tried, I just tried to find things that excited me about, you know, running. Um, and so I think trials of miles did those 10 K's or they, they had some track meets. And then, so I signed up for the one in Austin, um, and just training myself, uh, hopping into other people's workouts, um, as they made sense. It was 
really fun for me and running super social for me. So um, I just really enjoyed it uh, that spring. And then after that 10K, um, which I PR'd and I was super happy and um, was feeling excited about running again, um, I got a little banged up. Um, I had like a weird, it was like a plantar Achilles insertion area that was really bugging me. So I took about three more months off of just doing nothing. Um, and then, uh, I want to say maybe September, I kind of started training again and feeling healthy, feeling good. Um, and I signed up for a bunch of fall races and was thinking about doing CIM. And then as I got closer to my, um, first race, race, which was the 25 K I was like, I cannot self-train going into a marathon. I need someone to hold me accountable and, you know, have a bigger plan. And so then I started working with Rick about eight weeks out from CIM oh, wow. and was like, hey, I need a coach. Will you coach me? Sorry, it's like crunch <laughs> time, but I got a marathon in eight weeks. Um, and so he was super great and um, wrote out, you know, a whole plan for me and uh, did his best to kind of you know, put something together with, you know, as little information as he had. Um, and it worked out great. Uh, I had been doing some workouts with Nell before I joined. And um, I also would link up with Haruni every now and then. So he he had seen me around um, on the track and was always super positive and, and kind. And so I was like, oh, he would be a great coach. Um, so it's been a great fit. What were you at like mileage wise with that eight weeks to go? Um, since I started in September... I had probably just gotten up to 85 when I started working with him. Um, and so then I probably averaged about 95 miles a week um, for most of my block. Is that yeah. the most you've ever done? Um, For an average before a marathon, I think so. Um, I feel like my mileage going into the trials was pretty inconsistent. Um, I think I hit 100 miles maybe once and then was in the high 80s. Um, but I feel like I was a little bit more consistent with hitting around the high nineties in this buildup. And I think that really helped was just kind of having that consistency of miles. Um, cause my marathons, I feel like I really struggled in that last 10 K, um, before CIM. And you felt good in the last 10 K at CIM? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, I felt like good is relative. I do understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my quads were definitely, uh, CIM was a lot hillier than I had expected. Um, I didn't do a course preview, which now I wish <laughs> I, I would have. Um, and everyone had been telling me, they're like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of rollers and then it's flat the last, um, the last 10 K. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely a lot. Hill I wish I would have done some downhill running some hills, um, to kind of prepare me for that because I felt like I definitely felt it in my quads um, and was just kind of trying to hold it together because I was really afraid of blowing up with just on how my quads felt. But I was able, I've, I didn't feel that, um, that like the wheels are coming mm -hmm. off um, 10 K to go, which I had felt, you know, the past two marathons where once things start going South, it's like, there's no, <laughs> there's no fixing this. <laughs> The worst You're just trying feeling. to survive. Yeah. So oh do you feel gosh. like this is like the first marathon you've had like the real the real recipe to like finish what you, with what you know you're capable of? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I kind of was just biding my time and maybe was a little bit um, 
traumatized from those mu- those marathons before. So the last mile, I picked it up just a little bit, but I was, I think the whole time just kind of like waiting for it to, to hit. And so I think that now that I've had the experience of CIM, I can be a little bit more aggressive um, with the faith that, you know, I'm not going to have some, you know, catastrophic blow up. Or if I do, you know, I, I at least went for it. So I think I was just maybe a little bit more conservative, just really trying to hit that, that A goal that I had of, you know, breaking 230. And I kept on being like, okay, I'm, I'm in this great group of women and pacers and things are going really well, but I just, it could happen any second. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I think I just have now the confidence to maybe push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah, it's almost like you need that in your like history to be able to then like push the envelope, like you said, and like take the extra risk because like, okay, you know, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I wouldn't have the experience of blowing up 10 kid ago, I probably would have been a little bit more like, yeah, well, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't think, and I felt like my grandma's, I, I didn't go out, um, insanely. And so it, it still happened. So I think that, um, I just had had that experience and, was trying to be cautious. Um, but I am definitely, I felt like my training leading up to it was so much, um, I just had so much more confidence for my training build, build up. And so, um, I knew that I knew that it was going to be a pretty good day going into it. And then who, like, how long were you packed up with everybody and when did Sarah leave and did you, um, run with, oh my gosh, what's her name? Carrie. Yeah. Carrie. Did you run with Mm -hmm. Carrie for most of the race? Yeah. Um, it was honestly such a big, a big pack of women and men, um, that we were in. And so I didn't really even notice that Sarah kind of took off cause she was, um, yo-yoing for a bit, um, at the front of the pack for since the downhills, she would kind of just cruise on the downhills and then the pack would kind of catch her, but she yo-yoed for a little bit and then kind of took off. Um, and I, I didn't really see the actual move, but then I think there was one time we were going downhill and I saw a little tiny speck and I was like, oh, that's Sarah. Like, look at her go. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, we stayed as a pack until I want to say mile like 22 or so. Um, and then I just, uh, I want to say I, I didn't feel like I was picking it up, but I guess I was because at one point the pacer was like, hey, like you're running awesome, super excited for you, but I'm going to stay with like the 230 group. So then I knew that I was running a little bit ahead of 230 pace, um, which kind of gave me that extra little boost to be like, okay, like I'm doing this, you know, um, and less than three miles to go. I was like, I can make it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think the great thing about CIM, especially as a woman is like, you're never alone. Um, and so it's just like such an awesome thing to experience. And you don't really, if you're having a tough spot, you know, people are encouraging you and you can encourage them when they have their tough spot and it's, you know, complete strangers that you've, you've never met. So, um, it was a really fun experience those last like three or four miles. I'm not sure. Is there a better race to try to PR at? Seriously. I, yeah, I mean, uh, it's really hard to not want to just run it every year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cause, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great course. Oh man. Um, okay. So you're, are you married? Are you engaged or are you dating? I'm dating. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I Well, I was like, I don't know if she's married or not, but I, because I wanted to just talk about your boyfriend then being a triathlete. Yes. Yes. Um, he is a triathlete. Um, he does ITU. 
um, Olympic distance. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been good. I mean, he's, he started out as a runner. He ran at CU. Um, he also swam in high school. So we definitely have that running connection and, um, he's always like looking at races, wanting to do running races and then being like, Oh, like I need to focus on triathlon yeah. because I think running is kind of like, you know, his first love and he loves running and racing, um, and being competitive. So, um, he works harder than anyone I've ever met. He trains really hard. Um, and it's definitely motivating for me, uh, because I mean, I, I'm not a, a grinder and he definitely is. And that's why I think that we kind of balance each other off. If he's like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, bike for five hours and then run 16 miles and then swim 5k. I'm like, maybe <laughs> just pick two. <laughs> and he, if I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to go run six. He's just like six. That's it. Maybe. <laughs> so I feel like we balance each other out pretty well of, um, you know, him, you know, encouraging me to, you know, not to do more, but just, um, I guess, motivate me. And then um, I feel like I'm kind of his voice of reason to, you know, you don't have to do it all. You can kind of (laughs) rest is less is more um, in his case. But yeah, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's been, it's been good. Uh, He actually paced me at grandma's for the first 16 miles. Oh, cool. Which was really nice. Um, yeah, I think he, he had just come back from, I want to say, Kazakhstan and um, kind of had a quick turnaround. From to like a competition? Grandma's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was great while he, I, I, he, I mean, it was great while he was there. And then, I mean, I only lasted a few more miles before the wheels came off. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was really helpful and great to have him there. How did you guys meet? Um, so we met at, um, the running event. He was sponsored by three, six, one. And, um, at the time they were just sending me shoes. Um, and so they wanted kind of athletes to be there, uh, at their booth. And so they flew both of us and, uh, another athlete, um, Maggie, um, out from Boulder. And so Morgan gave us a ride and, uh, we sat next to the plane and I was like, oh, He's kind of cute and <laughs> kind of went from there. So, yeah, that was in 2019, I want to say, fall of 2019. All right. So, so 361, do they get, do they get like credentials if you guys ever get married one day? Do they get like a shout out <laughs> at the wedding? Like, thanks. Yeah, thanks. A little, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely the uh, Sean Frack was there. So, you know. He, he saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I yeah. love it. So what's on your mind for 2022? Um, I do want to get back on the track. Um, I, it's hard because I am now in love with the road scene and I love road races and, um, that's really what excites me. But I also feel like, um, for me to really improve my marathon, I really want to improve my speed. That's kind of my biggest weakness. Um, so I think if I can get some faster PRs on the track, that'll translate to my marathon. Um, so I'll, I'll do that this spring. Um, Sound Running has a bunch of races in LA and my parents live in San Diego. Oh, so nice. I'll just stay at, stay at their place and drive up. Um, so it's super easy for me. And let's see, other than that, I want to do a fall marathon, I think. I'm not really sure which one I would love to do a, a, a major. I've never done one and they always seem so cool. Um, so that would be really awesome. Yeah. You got to do a major. Um, so you lived in San Diego and now you live in Boulder are the, and then Oregon. Are those the only, are those the three places you've lived your whole life? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, kind of like, places. yeah, I was going to say like, kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the winters in Boulder, I do struggle just because, you know, it's the most extreme winter that I've had. But I mean, Boulder has so many people from the Midwest who have moved here and they're just like, oh my gosh, like the weather here is incredible. And I'm like, have you been to San Diego? Like, <laughs> it's the sun. No I think it's for the Midwest yeah. people. It's that it's so sunny all the time. Oh, totally. And this, I mean, it'll snow, but then within a few days it'll melt and you can see the ground. So, um, I, I haven't spent many winters in the Midwest or even East coast, but I've seen that the snow just lingers and that would, that would be tough. Okay. I listen, I love the Midwest. I think the nicest people live in the Midwest, but, mm-hmm. um, I winters are, t- they suck. I mean, they just do. Yeah. I've been from living there my entire life. And um, I don't think you can be a Midwest fall. I think that a Midwest fall is the most beautiful. It is just incredibly beautiful mm. in the fall. But like, this is our first winter away from Indiana. And I'm like, I mean, it's 45 and sunny today here. And I'm like, that feels for January. I'm good with that. And I know the weather's like cra- yeah. crazy this year. It's like, everything's weird but um yeah no winter in the midwest i'm i'm happy to divorce that yes yes <laughs> um i remember just being like oh like what like why do people live here <laughs> live there <laughs> but then i mean as you get older you know family, family and yeah. you know support system friends it's hard to beat that so you, yeah it's it's really january and february that just like I mean, it's, it's seasonal depression too. And I do think yeah. that weather has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Uh, when I ran um, in Duluth, I think there were, it, it reminded me of like a, a gerbil or like hamster. All the buildings are connected with this glass, like skyways or something. And I was like, that is so bizarre. But I guess that's a normal thing in the Midwest. Is oh, because of the, cause it's so inside. cold in the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, okay, well, let's wrap up here with some end of the podcast questions. What is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I would love to learn um, a language. I, I mean, I took German in high school and wasn't that great at it or consistent. Um, and just being in Mexico, I just feel like, or anytime I travel internationally, I kind of feel like a selfish American that Mm. just expects everyone to know my language. So I would love to learn another language um, and be able to use it uh, traveling. So So do you know what language you want? Do you want to learn Spanish? I think Spanish would, um, would be a, a a good start for me. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the most useful in your, Mm -hmm. in your travels. Um, Yeah. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, So I, I read, two um on my mexico trip and one was a book that i just found at the resort it was like left on a chair and so that was kind of like a guilty not a guilty pleasure read but it just was um maybe like a an airport book that someone bought um and it was called shut eye um the shut eye and it was kind of like a thriller book um and then the other book i read while i was in mexico was passing um and that was a really good book they also have a netflix um like short on it, um, which I'm really excited to watch as well. Um, passing. Who's the author? Do you know? Um, ugh, I 
the book is around here somewhere, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, but it's about, it was written in the 1920s about um, these biracial women who were passing as white um, wow. in society. So that's good. I can't remember what book I read that had a storyline. I think it was a Britt Bennett book, The Vanishing Half. Yeah. It had a oh. Do you, did you read that? I haven't, but I've I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. Both of her books, The Mothers and The Vanishing Half, are really good. But there's a storyline of two sisters, and one of the sisters has very light skin, and that's what she lives her life as a white woman. And it's and just very interesting as it follows, like, their two different stories. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because this um, – her book kind of focuses on two women who are both passing, but the way that they um, – the re- their reasons for passing are just kind of different um, and kind of their their path to that um, and the needs that they they have or just like the societal um, pulls that they feel from both cultures. Um, so it's really interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Um, someone who I'd love to have coffee with is my high school cross-country coach. I haven't seen him since before the pandemic, um, and he's a really close family friend. It's been a long time, so I've just I've, I'm dying to you know see him in person and catch up. Is he still? He's in San Diego. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Um, I mean, I think that I really struggled in those years post collegiately of trying to figure out what I want. Wanted, wanted to do. And, um, I think that feeling lost, like you said, is that's totally fine and totally normal and that things will eventually come together. Um, I've definitely talked to, um, a few other recently post-collegiate athletes, um, and they've all kind of resonated with those feelings. And I think that you don't have to worry, you know, things will come together. So feeling lost, feeling, you know, like, you're not moving anywhere you are um it just takes a while to you know find your footing it'll all work out thank you so much molly yeah thank you so much for having me all right everybody thanks for listening today thank you molly for coming on the podcast it was a joy to talk to you uh you all can learn more about molly's story and follow along with what she's got going on Molly J. Grable over there, G-R-A-B-I-L-L is the last name. You can find me personally on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. We would also love to have you join us on our Sandy Boy Productions Instagram. We promote all of our shows there, Sandy Boy Productions. To learn more about this podcast and all the podcasts in the Sandy Boy Network, just go to sandyboyproductions.com. Actually, when you go to the website and you click on each individual podcast that we have over there, um, a pop-up will show up and you can sign up for our newsletter so that these show notes, every episode where, you know, we talk about books, favorite books and links to sponsor information and anything our guests talk about, those can just be emailed directly to your inbox once a week. It's, It's a really simple way to make sure that you don't have to like stop on your run or write down a note when someone says something you want to remember or like a book you want to remember. Um, Emma, my production assistant, she also breaks down the conversation. So she'll like, if you're like, oh, I want to go back and listen to like that one part where she talks about this specifically in the race at CIM, you can kind of look at the show notes and the timeline of the conversation 
um, how it breaks down so you don't have to like thumb through the whole episode to look for it. Um, all right, cool, friends. Well, I hope to see you at the Donna Marathon here in two weeks. Code Lindsay10 will get you 10% off any of those race registrations. Super excited to meet up and see everybody at our meetup on Saturday. Details for when and where that is are coming very, very soon. All right, have a great rest of your Friday, a wonderful weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday.